0: Welcome to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Farmer Fred here, Fred Hoffman, UC Cooperative Extension Lifetime Master Gardener, garden columnist with the Lodi News Sentinel, the guy that does all the typing at FarmerFred.com, all the ranting at the Farmer Fred rant blog page at Twitter.com slash Farmer daily garden tips, lots of snark, and the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page where there is always a garden dialogue going on. A lot of people like it. Even today's guest, Debbie Flower, Mm -hmm. horticultural consultant, longtime college professor of horticulture. We will be answering your gardening questions. Actually, she'll be answering your gardening questions. I'll just be making snarky (laughs) comments because that's what I do. Uh, 576-1578 to call in your garden questions locally in the 916-576-1578. Toll free 866-331-8255. 866 Email, sure, send it to fred at com, Or you can post a question at the uh, Get Growing with Farmer, Farmer Fred Facebook page, too. And if I figure out how to open it to read the questions, I'll do it that way. Uh, what's new in the world of Debbie Flower? Oh, what's new? I don't know. All right. what have What have you planted in the last few months that uh, you're looking forward to, maybe plants you've never put in before? That-
1: well, I bought some um, Lessingia. What? Yeah, it's a California native. Um, L L E S S I N G I A. Okay. Um, uh, silver carpet. It's a ground cover. It has an aster-like flower, uh, which means a daisy flower. Uh in and it uh needs a, it does well for uh with a little bit of water, so I put it i do have my husband I should say uh has a lawn and <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> it's irrigated, and there's a little bit of overspray from it, and so I thought well that that would be a good place, just a little bit of uh uh overspray from the from the lawn. It takes uh, clay. I do have drainage problems. We were talking on the other station about water and drainage problems, local flooding uh, due to that uh, incredible amount of rain that we can get all at once. And that is a problem in my yard. My yard, my house, my property is on fill, apparently, which means that when it, the house was built, Soil was brought in, whatever it was, wherever it came from, spread out. And then somebody else brought some more soil that was different, spread it out, laid it on top. So the soil is in layers, and that's the worst thing uh, you can do in terms of drainage. That creates, uh, uh, that stops the water from moving, from draining down. It, it reaches a new level level of soil, and it stops. And so I've had a couple of really uh, wet spots. Um, there is some clay in my soil. So this plant can take the clay, it can take heat, it can take drought, Um, it's a ground cover. And I planted them before, uh, about a week ago, and I was gone for the past week. And I, I, you know, talked to my husband, said, please go out and check them, take the watering can with you. I did not quiz him, I doubt it happened. (laughs) But the rain would have done a wonderful job, because my irrigation's turned off. So the rain would have done a wonderful job of establishing those plants. So I planted them. Fall is for planting. The soil is a wonderful temperature. Days are shorter. The temperature, air temperatures are lower. So it's much less stressful for the plant. Anything above 86 degrees really stresses any plant. Um, and the soil is warm, so the, the roots will grow. Uh, we have moisture. Uh, when you plant, you always plant from a container. You always plant proud, meaning plant high. And then we'll always, always, always. Always, no matter what kind of planting you do, no matter how wet the soil is when you plant uh, into it or how wet the container soil is, the last thing you do after planting a plant is water it. So I did that before I left, and and they look pretty good.
0: Do you have any magic uh, liquids you put on it?
1: I do not. Not I do not amend the soil, and I do not put magic liquids on them.
0: No kelp meal or seaweed? or Kelp
1: uh, kelp seaweed I would consider. I just happen not to have done it. This is a native. It's not... uh, Something that that needs a lot of nutrition, uh, the kelp seaweed can be used as a um, hormone. It has hor- plant hormones in it, but plant hormones are only effective on cut plant parts. You you, you put plant hormones on you know an existing leaf or root, and it's not going to do anything. Um, it, plant hormones are only useful for when they get into the vascular system of the plant through a cut. Uh, I brought you those cuttings, and I used plant hormone to stick those cuttings, um, but I had a, a, a cut end of that cutting. Um, and in those situations, I, it would be more valuable for that. In this situation, it would just be a, a very mild um, nutrient source. And mild nutrient sources, if you're going to use anything after planting, you want it to be mild. Now, the common name for this plant
0: is, what, California aster? Boy, I don't even know. Okay, I'm looking at a plant that you named, the Lysingia, mm-hmm. at the Las Palitas nursery site, which is a, a rather large uh, California cool. native nursery in on the central coast. Right. And uh, they claim that uh, the Lysingia philagnifolia. Right, that's the one I have. Okay, uh, California aster, and, and now apparently it's, Chorothrogyne oh. phallognifolia. <laughs> so C-O-R-E-T-H-R-O-G-Y-N-E. Certainly uh, saying Lysingia is easier than trying to say Chorothrognine mm-hmm. or Thorothrogyne. And uh, they, they keep referring to it as the California aster. So yeah. uh, that's a, okay. nice, that's a that's nice fun name. And that is the what the flower looks like. And they describe it as being a very, very tough uh, perennial that's found in, in most areas of California. The only area they say we have not seen it is in the desert. and uh, it does, Yeah, a little bit of water yeah, helps. It tolerates salt, great for a butterfly garden. Uh, flower, flower color is violet. Mm-hmm. And uh, the height ranges from, they do things in metric, uh, two-tenths to one meter.
1: Yeah. Which would be about a yard tall. A meter, yes, would be about a yard tall. I yeah. expect this one, uh, I got it from a different nursery, um, I expect this one to be on the shorter end of that scale. Okay. And so again... about four inches. Okay, that's a ground cover. Yeah.
0: Yes. Chorothrogyne philaginifolia. Yeah.
2: Chorothrogyne.
0: Yeah. But we'll just call it California aster. And as as they say at Las Politas, this plant is sold out right now. The worker bees are working on it. Yes.
1: It's available other places. Okay, uh, not Probably not at your local nursery, but I don't know that for sure. You can always call them and ask for the California aster. And by doing that, even if they don't have it and you know they don't have it, by doing that, they'll think maybe we should get this plant in. Mm-hmm. If people want it, maybe we should order it. And I am a big fan of using things that don't take a lot of input from me. I'm a lazy gardener, admitted to be a lazy gardener. And that uh, service the wildlife uh, that come to my garden. Yeah, the birds, the bees, good
0: bug hotels. Yes, and uh, that certainly uh, fits that. Especially, is it in the asteraceae family? I think it is. Okay, yes. so that attracts a whole host of beneficials, right? With that flat flower, right? Like that daisy-like flowers. So the, the California aster. Well, that's, that's a good choice. I like that. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, my uh, plant that I bought last March at the. Um,
1: Davis plants. Davis
0: with you, you yeah. And I got the uh, Christmas cheer Nepophia, Mm -hmm. the red hot poker, and it's starting to bloom.
1: Oh, how cool.
0: Yeah, it is. And uh, talking with Warren Roberts, he was uh, pointing out that if you plant it in sun and plant another in shade, the one that's in slight shade will have a tendency to flower year-round. Oh, wow. As opposed to the full sun one, which blooms, as the name might imply, at Christmas time. And how are the leaves? The leaves are green and strapping. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, so that it's, uh, are they laying on the ground or are they yeah, more fount- fountain like fountain like. OK. And uh, the ones I see in the neighborhood are about four feet, five feet tall and about three feet wide. Mm-hmm. And the flower stalk, which emanates out of the center of the plant, it, 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 true to its name, poker. Mm-hmm. It, right. It uh, stands about three feet above the plant. So the mm-hmm. these flowers have a long way to go. Christmas is still six weeks away mm-hmm. or whatever. Five weeks. It's coming really fast. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, if the decorations are out at Costco, then. And the music, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk with John in Terlock. He wants to know how to transplant raspberries. If you have a garden question, give us a call. 576-1578. Email. Send it to Fred at FarmerFred.com. Albert is running the board today. Here at Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE.
3: choose natural.
4: Listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KST. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Welcome
0: back to the program. Fred here. Debbie Flower is here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Debbie, you have an appearance or a book
1: you want to plug? I don't. Okay. I just do this for altruism. <laughs> okay, well, it's fun, too. <laughs> yeah, it is fun. All right. Absolutely. Let's go to the
0: phones. John and Turlock, thanks for hanging in there.
3: Hi, Fred. Hi there. He, uh... I I need to transplant some uh, raspberries. Uh, uh, I have both uh, everbearing and summerbearing, and uh, in this long row I've got, but the the uh, the uh, everbearing don't do as well because I mean it gets all day sun and it, it, and they haven't done well. So I'm gonna uh. I've heard that they really need to have some uh, relief from the uh, you know, late afternoon sun. So anyhow, that's why I'm transplanting. Mm-hmm. My, my question is is uh, essentially uh, the problem is, of course, if you got you know you got this mass of canes and you know they're all intertwined and everything else like that. And I realize you can go with a spade shovel and just sort of you know chip away and on the ends and stuff like that and dig them up. My problem is I have really loose sandy soil, and I mean, and essentially you know there's very little chance of the of the root ball staying intact while I do that. Is, is that going to be a problem or? Or uh, you know, but anyhow, that's that's my question.
0: I had to look to make sure where you were from. And yeah, Turlock, sandy soil. Yeah, now now it that's, all makes that was sense. That's going to be my
3: question. Yeah. Where are you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got beautiful soil. I know. I, 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 I
0: rub it in. I, I wish I was yeah, into I gardening know. when I lived in Manteca. You know, had great yeah. soil there too, yeah, or Modesto for that matter. Uh, but yeah, oh, yeah. so was I. Wouldn't worry too much about that if you've I wouldn't got either. if you've got the planting hole all set and ready to go.
3: Yeah and and see, is the timing that critical uh you know I mean this time of year I mean do I need to wait and you know uh you know until it's uh, completely you know quote dormant or 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 is now just a good enough time too
1: The reason you would wait until they're completely dormant is that what the plant is doing as it's going through dormancy is taking the food that it's made in its leaves and any good chemicals that are still there and pulling them back into the stems and storing that stuff in the stems and in the roots. Um, if, they're, if it's a vigorous plant, you've got some nice thick canes, uh, a, a decent root system, uh, you, and you've got the time, the energy, the tools, etc., uh, to do it before they go fully dormant, I'd say go for it. They're pretty vigorous plants if they're happy um, and there, it sounds like you know what you're doing in terms of growing them in general. Uh, so I would, if it were me in my garden, I'd be out there doing it. Uh, okay. If you want, you know, if it's a somewhat weak plant, it's it's you're you're not great at handling raspberries. Then I would definitely wait until they were fully dormant because you'll do a little bit less damage. You'll get a little bit more stored food in that plant when you move it. Um, yeah. But but I wouldn't. Sounds like you don't need to wait.
3: Yeah. Now, since some of these are really massive, again, I realize, you know, I go in and cut the dead canes out and keep, you know, five or six or seven in Mm -hmm. in grouping and try to space them out. Uh, Is it better to try and really just, you know, when I'm, you know, digging them out to just try and make the root ball as, you know, just, you know, a, a smaller, uh, of a couple canes, or does it just, just just chop down into it and, and transplant as much as you can with a, with a with a shovel full? I mean, you understand what I'm saying? You, know, you mm-hmm. have a mass of canes. Is it better to try and just have a, a few canes when you're transplanting or Not, have a big mass? I,
1: I wouldn't uh, strive for a few canes unless my ultimate goal was to only have a few canes in the new location. Um, I would try to keep as much together as possible Okay. I, I'm not a big fan in general of pruning at the time of transplanting because you never know what's going to live and what's going to die. However, with raspberries, you do know what's the older cane that already had fruit and is is the weaker cane, um, and that you might uh, want to remove. But um, I, I don't think there's any need to, unless you're purposely thinning them, purposely spreading them out more, and only want a couple of canes in a location uh, there's no need to strive for that. D- is okay. right. can raspberries be uh, propagated too by cuttings? And if so, what kind of cuttings? I can't say I've ever done it, but to me, they're they're yeah. The answer is yes. You can do them by cuttings, and uh, now would be a, a a potential time to do it. Um, would you use hardwood cuttings or semi-hardwood right. cuttings? I think I think you'd have success with both. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to do hardwood cuttings, then you do want it to be dormant, and you don't want that uh, previously uh, fruited cane. You want uh, one that has that came up this year, and so one comes up one year, and it flowers and fruits, and sometimes they do it twice, and you cut the tops off, and the bottom half flowers and fruits again Um and that cane is kind of spent. It's used up its energy to to do the flowering and fruiting. So I wouldn't want that one. But at the same time that that's happening on that cane, a new cane is coming out of the ground, and it doesn't flower and fruit this year. And But it makes food. It gets fatter. That's the one that I would use.
0: And that's probably kind of greenwood you know, as far as color goes. If you're looking at trying to... Ide- It'll
1: be thinner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it may it may be greener. It It won't have... Had the chance to form as much uh, bark yeah. or cork on the outside, yes. And so,
0: yeah, that that's an option, too. Uh, John, if you want to maybe take a lot of cuttings and stick them in the new area and then uh, see which ones grow and which ones don't and yeah. pull out the dead oh. ones, and then if you've got the guts to actually uh, thin it down to one plant as opposed to letting all living ones survive.
3: Yeah. Well, I can also put some of those cuttings into pots. Right, yeah,
0: do it that uh, way, sure. A little plant uh, insurance.
3: Yeah, that's right. That's what I always do. Yeah, Yeah, it's a good idea. All right. Great.
0: All right, John, thanks for calling.
3: Okay, thank you, Fred.
0: All right, bye-bye. I actually checked the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. There is a question from Rick who says, Is it too late to trim my fruit trees and spray copper? Yeah, I'd say it's too early.
1: Well, the times for the dormant sprays are Thanksgiving, Christmas and Valentine's Day.
0: Farmer Fred Garden rule number seven everything you know is wrong. <laughs> and now there is this school of thought that
1: you one, really, one
0: late application. You
1: really only need to do the the Valentine's Day one for the fungal yeah, growth. And yeah. as
0: long as you get six dry days afterwards and you make sure that it is a thorough copper spray mm-hmm. because what's available now in terms of copper Unless you've been hoarding the old 49% for a few years, uh, the, the current 7 or 8% formulation of copper, you need a good thorough application on all sides. The other problem, I think, with spraying right now is the fact that most fruit trees still have their leaves on them. Mm-hmm. Now we're ta- when we're talking about spraying fruit trees with copper, we're talking about certain deciduous fruit trees. Yeah, he doesn't.
1: Does he specify? No, he he
0: just says Dave Wilson multi fruit trees. Oh, and then, okay. and Those are probably deciduous. Primarily fruits. deciduous. Fruits. Yeah, yeah, peaches, yeah, plums.
1: Yeah, yeah. Plots, yeah. things. If like that. I may go out and do, um, uh, oil spray pretty soon. Dormant oil spray pretty soon on my apricot and my peach. Uh, but that's not for the fungus. That's just for the primarily. It's for the uh, aphid population. Mm-hmm. The other. Uh,
0: good fall chore to do around your foot tr- fruit trees is clean up sanitation is yes huge the, the the good bug hotel or the bad bug hotel is now on the ground right it's the old fruit it's the old twigs right where those eggs get and as much
1: of that as out of, out of the way as you can rake it up you won't get everything and so if you can then also apply a new layer of mulch mm-hmm. a couple inches deep over your existing layer never uh around never touching the trunk Uh, and make sure it's not going to flow or blow to the trunk. So check it periodically. Um, But that um, whatever has fallen into your mulch or onto your soil will then be covered up and less likely to get back into your plant.
0: And if you have surrounding weeds that are starting to get tall weed control is a very effective method for controlling uh, a lot of bad bugs because there are those bad bugs that like to overwinter in nearby mm-hmm. habitat such mm-hmm. as tall weeds mm-hmm. and by clearing those out that can help control that problem
1: but if you have ornamental grasses well no then you leave can, them uh, yeah. standing tall yep that is your good bug hotel right or one of your good bug hotels that was a disappointment i was walking my sister's dogs in new york and I go through certain neighborhoods pretty regularly and they had cut down their tall grasses. They get snow there and ice and it probably tears those bunches up pretty well but uh that's the good bug hotel that they just demised. The the good bugs may still be in the stumps that are left but they're not as well protected from that ice and cold. So I was I was sad. Yeah.
0: Um but around here especially with the uh, mulen the deer grass around February You know that first weekend in February where everybody goes to the nursery because it's a warm
1: weekend? And everybody says, oh, this summer's going to be really hot. Yes. (laughs) And people are there looking for tomato plants in February. There's Uh, always one week in February. Yeah.
0: But instead of doing that, if you just go to your deer grass and if you didn't prune it back, and that's a good thing, and you sort of parted the, the leaves, the fronds of your deer grass you might be opening up sunlight and warmth to overwintering ladybugs down in the middle mm-hmm. and they'll all come crawling out mm-hmm. going, oh, can we go shopping now? Mm-hmm.
1: They say, is it that warm week in February? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, that's a great good bug hotel. As long as you don't prune them back. Don't prune back your deer grass, your right. ornamental grasses. You can have a very nice population that'd be willing to spend some time there for you. All right, we'll take a short break. Hey, by the way, there is a, clue available for the Garden Grappler. You can find it at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page or at farmerfred.com. We'll be doing the Garden Grappler in about a half hour. It's Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE.
4: Continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman.
0: Debbie Flower is here. We're answering your gardening questions, uh, taking a look at the extended forecast. We haven't done that yet here. Today's weather promises to be a nice day, mostly sunny with a high of 61. Clouds move in tonight. Chance of showers in Sacramento on Monday. 50% chance of showers. Then... Sunny on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday with temperatures in the upper 60s. Wow! And yeah, I know it's gonna be warm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, considering that a month ago it was 100 degrees or whatever, and that, and now we're saying oh, 69. How, that's how quickly warm. we forget. Yes. yes, how quickly our body adapts to yes. colder temperatures. So anyway, nice weather Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, mostly sunny with a high of 69. No threat of frost this week in the Sacramento area with overnight lows this week in the upper 40s to low 50s.
1: Oh, plant, please plant. It is the planting time of the year.
0: It is, but it's always iffy, though, when you get into late November. uh,
1: Yes, because of the the first frost. Well, the frost and deluges of Mm. rain. It's it's getting more like that. The rain is coming more that way.
0: Yeah, and um, just make sure wherever you plant, it's good drainage. And, and plant proud. And this is why my backyard is filled with raised beds.
1: Mm-hmm. You so, have quite a few of them.
0: I have quite a few of them. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of mulch, too.
1: Got a delivery? Oh, yeah. It's
0: like it's, 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 like, it's there must be a sign on the house that says mulch magnet. <laughs> Tree companies are already stop and go. hey, can we dump, dump, dump a load here? Really? They're asking you. Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's nice. That I, is nice. Because mulch, uh, in case you don't know needs to be replenished. Yes. It breaks down. It's a living thing. Yes, that's something I need to do to my garden this season. And, you know, we talk about maintaining two to four inches of
1: mulch. That's a lot of mulch. It is a lot of mulch. And when there are parts of my garden where when the irrigation runs and it's all drip and it's buried under the mulch, I can see the dampness. When Mm -hmm. I can see that it's damp from, the irrigation is shut off now, but when it was on and I could see those sections were damp, I knew the mulch was too thin.
0: Yeah. And so to maintain two to four inches, and it has to be replenished probably
1: at least once a year. Mm-mm. I'm, again, a lazy gardener. I'd say once every two years.
0: Depends on the size of the particles you're putting down to begin Very with. Very
1: true. And how thick it is to begin with. Yeah.
0: Now people are raking leaves. They're beginning to rake leaves. Right. Or blow them. Yeah. What do you do with all those leaves?
1: Right. Well, my husband blows them on top of my plants and then I go out and (laughs) yell at him. That's what happens at my house. (laughs) He doesn't want it on his lawn or the driveway. So he says, well, we could start bagging them. And I don't want to give them away. I want them. They make wonderful mulch. Mm -hmm. You could bag them and pile them and compost them. And we do have an oak. We have uh, several oaks. So there are oak leaves in there and oak leaves uh, take longer to break down. That's not a bad thing, uh, except that In the rain, they can become a slimy mess. Uh, So another option is put them in a metal garbage can and get a string trimmer or a weed whacker. I say string trimmer and people don't know what I'm talking about. A weed whacker and wear your protective uh, eye covering. Well, And make sure
0: that weed whacker has a string cutting mechanism, not a plastic or metal blade.
1: Oh, yes, yes. Yes, a string trimmer yeah, so yeah I say string yes, trimmer you're
0: you're more accurate that way in as far as what you should be po- risking your life to do
1: right and then you stick your you turn your string trimmer on and you stick it in there and it just shreds the leaves. Another maybe safer option would be to lay them on your lawn or lay them and run over them with the lawnmower yeah.
0: i it, when I had a lawn uh that would be my fall task a couple of times a week would be to quote-unquote mow the lawn when all reality, I'm just picking up the leaves and my bagging mower, but they're more finely shredded, right. and then just
1: spread them around the yard. Right, and if you're, you're getting a little bit of the green from the grass, that's lovely yeah, nitrogen. It's okay. Yeah, uh, but my lawn isn't mowed, so my husband won't do that. We have a no-mow lawn. Is it
0: an official no-mow lawn? Is in the sense that you're n- not mowing out of laziness or it was a, a, a turf variety that I was intended sh- not to mow?
1: I chose the turf varieties based on uh Delta bluegrass has wonderful sod uh that is no uh and I uh but my husband wanted to go with seed. Frankly, if you've got the money, go with sod. Um so we did seed, but I chose the the varieties uh the based on what what I saw for uh recommended for other no lawns. So, it was intended to be a Nomo lawn.
0: So, it's a fescue blend. It's
1: basically a All fescue right. blend, native fescues, yeah. Now,
0: by the strangest of coincidences, we wanted a turf area for the dogs. Mm-hmm. So, we had mapped out in the plans for the backyard a small area, I think about 250 square feet. Mm-hmm. And I was considering sod. And I don't know, the weather started changing. And I go, I don't know. And it's expensive. And there's a it lot is. of prep work involved. And mm-hmm. I said, Oh, screw it. I'll just buy the seed. And uh, oddly enough, Green Acres was carrying the Delta Bluegrass No Mow seed.
1: Oh, see, when I did it, they didn't have yeah have that. They because I called them up. I knew I had had them come talk to my classes. I, you know, I yeah I, I had a good relationship you with them, and and I still didn't get the seed. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of good that did. Yeah. All right, but uh, they have actually two
0: varieties of No Mow turf. Mm-hmm. They have a fescue blend, mm-hmm. and then something a California native No Mow. Mm-hmm mix which would require less water Uh uh-huh now at when i went to green acres they didn't have the uh, The california native so i go well you know i'll just starve it and see what happens after i plant it but it's up and growing now Mm -hmm. and now i'm really curious about your experience with it because i have the same turf now it's only mine has only been up about two or three weeks Mm -hmm. so it's going to be a while before i remove the protective fencing around it and And allow the dogs dogs onto it Yeah.
1: yeah Fescue takes a little longer to germinate, 10 days to two weeks, obviously dependent on what the environment... Mm -hmm. That's about what mine took. ...is around at that time, temperatures, humidity, rain, that kind of thing. Um, The beauty of the no-mow lawn in terms of drought tolerance is the longer your blade is above ground, the more roots you have below ground.
0: And that means the more water it can grab from underground.
1: Right, and the better insulated the roots Mm -hmm. are. Yeah. Uh, So... That's why uh, one of the drought recommendations for a mowed lawn is that you mow high. Right. Because if you have a three-inch lawn, then you have a tall lawn, then you have deeper roots. The first two years of growing that lawn from seed, we spent a lot of time weeding Hmm. Um, all kinds of weeds. Oh, yeah,
0: because you're watering it more. You're watering
1: it, and it's not filled in, and it's not shaded. Uh, Now, it's been in four or five years, probably. There are a couple of perennial weeds that keep coming back. um, And, of course, there's Bermuda in places. But other than that, it's become much less uh, labor intensive. In fact, we do almost nothing. It is recommended you go out when they flower and chop the flowers off. We don't even do that. And how tall does it get? When it's in flower, it's probably 15, maybe as much as 18 inches tall. Hmm. Uh, The blades may be that long, but they grow up and hump over. So it's a a hummocky. It's It's a humpy. People don't want to walk on it because it... Looks lumpy. Looks lumpy. But you can. But you can. Oh, yeah, right. I do it all the time. The dogs yeah. don't give a rat's patootie. Well, and They're my good. cats sleep in it. They okay. find, they make a little sort of nest among the humps, and they sleep in it. Oh, okay. And it's a nice, cool place in the summer. And
0: can take foot traffic. Oh, absolutely. It's, okay. it's fescue. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's not a tick haven.
1: I have not had a tick problem at all.
0: Okay. All right, that, that would be one of concern if you have pets and you want right. to no-mow a lawn is the fact you've got these grasses that are getting a foot tall or so that right. it, it seems like it would be a tick attractant.
1: Right and I have cats and I one spends almost his whole time outside and a lot of it in that grass and it, I do treat them like the vet says to treat them but I only do it when I see symptoms you know mm-hmm. they say you do it every so often yeah. whatever you're but I won't if that time comes up when they should be retreated and I'm not seeing a problem on the cat I won't use it um so if there were going to be ticks they would have shown up. I have not seen a tick at all. Okay,
0: that's good news. So I I can expect good results with a little care in the first 2 years with weeding. Right. That's that's the and, biggest. And how often are you watering it?
1: It was I think once every 7 or 10 days.
0: You watering it by hand or a sprinkler system? No, it system? has a
1: sprinkler system. Uh, I don't want to install a sprinkler system. Um and I hand. I could cut back I think I have some trees around the periphery. You know, the, it, those tree roots are going to be under that lawn. Mm-hmm. Um, and people have experienced, I'm sure people could call us and tell us about it, where they cut off the water because we were all under right. water restrictions. And now they're now you're getting lots of tree mulch because people's trees have died and they're having yeah. to come out. Yeah, that that's a sad part. It's very sad. Yeah,
0: because the trees
1: are the one thing you do want to keep alive because it adds a lot of value to your property. It does add value and, and makes... It's just so much more comfortable and beautiful, and you get more wildlife. There's so many zillions of reasons. Cleans the air, uh, so many zillions of reasons to have trees. You run
0: your air conditioning less in the summertime if you've got deciduous trees. Right. All right. A lot of good reasons. All right, we'll take a short break. When we come back, Ray in Danville has a question about his red maple tree, saying, where's the color? We'll find out when Mm. we come back to get growing on Talk 650 KSTE.
4: Listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman.
0: With Debbie Flower answering your gardening questions. Garden Grappler coming up in a few minutes as well. And speaking of questions, let's go back to the phones and head over to the Bay Area to Danville. Talk with Ray here on Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Hi, Ray. Hi, Farmer Fred. Love the show. Me hey, too. I've got, I was just driving down Highway 680 and seeing lots of color, and I think I got gypped. <laughs> because i've got three what the little plastic band says is american red maple and they're probably 10 to 12 feet tall and i'm watering them at least once a week during the summer and i'm not getting a scintilla of red it's all just yellow in the fall all right, so it turned color it turned from green to yellow
1: Yes, but no red, none. No orange, no, no, none of those kind of colors. Did you buy it when it was in, in full color? Have you ever seen it turn red in fall? No. Okay, that could be... Okay, so ge- plants, uh, trees have a, a, you know, genetics, and in some trees that are supposed to, in our mind, turn a certain color, red in particular, in fall... Uh, may not. They may not have the genetic ability to do that. So in, if I were to buy a red maple because I wanted it for red color, then I would buy it when it was in fall color at the nursery. Uh, and it, that would be before now because they're in pots and they will go deciduous a little bit sooner. So I would strike up a relationship with my local nursery and ask them to uh, let you know. let me know Maybe email me or text me or something when uh the the red maples are starting to turn. but the other thing that's needed for a uh, a tree to get red in its leaves is lots of sugar water definitely needed you did you did great by watering it if it um if it's got if it's healthy otherwise then then that probably was sufficient. but they need nutrition and uh to make sugars that they then store in all parts of the plant, including the leaves. In order to get red, what has to happen in the fall when the plants start to, to put on their color, what they're doing is drawing the green parts, the chlorophyll, out of the leaf and storing that because that's good stuff uh, for it, w- within the stems and the roots of the plant for use in the future. And that reveals other pigments which are already there. In most plants, those other pigments are just the yellows and oranges. There are a few that have red all year round. Uh, if, if it's a maple and it's green in summer and you want red right out of it in, in winter, you have to have the plant in sun and you have to have some of that sugar that that is was made in the leaves trapped in the leaves as this process of pulling it out of the plant happens. And that's a genetic thing. How fast does, plants don't just drop their leaves, they grow a barrier of cells before the leaf is dropped. How fast is that barrier of cells grown if it's Really fast, more sugars get trapped in the leaf, and then you need sun. So the plants have to be in sun. You need sun. The sun and the sugars together allow the plant to make the red pigment. If it's genetically incapable, if it, if it very slowly builds that layer of cells, then it's able to pull all of the nutrition back to the stems and the roots, and it will not form uh, red. And the other case is if it doesn't have enough sun, then you don't have one of the things needed in the recipe to make uh, red. And then the other is if it didn't have enough nutrition during the growing season, it wasn't able to make enough sugars for the process to happen. So those are the three things to look at. Does it genetically have the ability? We don't really know that because you've never seen it red. Is it in full sun? And the other one is does it have, have enough nutrition in order to make enough sugars for the red to form in fall?
0: I am more of a conspiracy theorist, and it's possible the plant was mismarked. Yes, that could Uh, happen. The the American, I was looking up American red maple, because both Debbie and I looked at each other quizzically. And a plant commonly referred to as the American red maple is, is, indeed, it is a red maple, Acer rubrum, but it's the brandywine varietal that is referred to as the American red maple. And the Acer rubrum brandywine has parents who have very good fall color the october glory mm. and autumn flame yes,
1: those have wonderful
0: yeah so and and if your leaves are coming out yellow um maybe it's not <laughs> yeah so
3: it's definitely in danville blazing hot full sun but i don't do any fertilizer what should i give it uh next season
1: or this fall right so uh one option is um uh, a, comp- a compost, a mulch of compost, but it, since, since we're suspecting that, you know, that's our one chance at getting red out of that tree, I would probably put some, uh, organic, uh, fertilizer that is higher, not super high, not not twenty. That would be well, too high. You wouldn't find that as organic anyway. No, you wouldn't. You might find five. Yeah,
0: and that's like, a, like you can find organic lawn fertilizers that are like five one. Yeah, that would work. Yeah. That would work. Or definitely less than maybe an eight two two something like that. There are organic fertilizers in granular form that you could apply. And now. you want to
1: spread it on the surface yeah. and a real far distance. If the tree is ten feet tall, you want a, a circle that's ten 10- wide. A wide, yes. You want, you want a, a circle that's 20 feet wide around the tree. And you're going to fertilize wow. that whole area according to the, um, the rate given on the, on the container. Tree roots will travel two and a half to three times away from the trunk in all directions as the tree is tall. So if it's 10 feet tall, it, they, they can travel 20 feet away. You haven't had the tree that long. The roots probably haven't gotten that far. Yeah. But you want to go really far to the drip line, which is the edge of the leaves, and then equal that distance away as well. Either
0: that or somebody sold you a (laughs) ginkgo.
1: They have beautiful yellow. (laughs) yellow. Uh, Yeah. Thank
0: you so much. You're welcome. Good luck. Okay.
1: (laughs) Call us back and let us know next year. (laughs) Good luck, Ray. (laughs) Okay. If you
3: hear a chainsaw next year, you'll know
1: why. (laughs) It's you. We'll drive through Danville. Good firewood. All
0: right. Thanks, Ray. Uh, All right. Bye-bye. (laughs) Bye-bye. When you were explaining, uh, listening to your answer there. Yeah. When when you were explaining the birds and the bees to your kids,
1: <laughs> w- was it like really scientific? <laughs> They're boys. I told them to go talk to their father. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I was, this is a little bit morbid, I was talking to my sister about her bone cancer. And one of the tests uses dye, one of the imagings, mm-hmm. and I said, and she can't eat for 24 hours. And then they put sugar in the dye. And I said, why? And she said, because cancer, uh, uh, w- what it comes down to, plant-wise, we would call it is a sink. Uh, plants will send their fur- the nutrition to the places that need the sugar the most, mm-hmm. need to make sugar the most. That's going to be fruit, number one, and growing points. So buds, uh, tips of roots, uh, newly forming leaves, that kind of thing. Have the most so- sugar need need the oh need yeah, the most sugar yeah need oh, the, really? the most sugar and yeah. so that's where the sugar will go first and yeah. then if the plant satisfies that it can do other things with the sugar like, like to make, the roots yeah grow yeah. grow new cells yeah. um fight off uh, disease or insect infestations that kind of thing so cancer is is a, a sink for sugar in the body oh that's interesting yes that's how i could make sense of it <laughs> okay yes all right
0: <laughs> yeah i, I yeah Where am I going? We're going to a garden grappler when we come back from the news. Okay. And there is a clue available at FarmerFred.com. There is a clue available at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. By the way, uh, Anna writes in on the Facebook page and asks, where did you get your Christmas cheer poker plants? I believe that was at the UC Davis plant C. sale. UC Davis plant yeah. sale, yeah. I don't think they will have another one until March. March, yeah. yeah. The uh, but really, but they're pretty available. Oh yeah, yeah. You can find them at a good nursery. Yeah, yeah. I've seen them around. I mean, and they're going to start blooming. Uh, the ones in the, in the nursery quite soon, so you'll be able to spot them.
1: Well, the problem. So go now when they're in bud, yeah. because people tend not to buy things until they are actually in flower, and then you kind of lose some of that. Yeah. But also, you may not. They may sell out. That too. All right. Garden Grappler coming up here on Get Growing
0: at Talk 650 KSTE.
4: Get Growing Continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman.
0: All right, let me make sure the crew is ready. Albert, are you ready in there to start writing down names and numbers of people? All right. Debbie, you ready to judge these answers? I'll do my best. I think this
1: might be a little bit of
0: a tough one. You can hang around, can't you? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, Because today's question, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, today's Garden Grappler, name a deciduous California native tree doesn't necessarily have to be a deciduous tree with good fall color. Maybe we'll make it a little oh. bit maybe we'll make it a little bit easier.
1: Okay. And define deciduous. Deciduous means that the plant loses all of its leaves at at least one time during the year.
0: Yeah. Oddly at enough. At the same time. Yeah. Yeah, oddly enough, that doesn't necessarily have to mean fall. Correct. Um now, there I, are some. I, I, don't know, that I don't want to give away any answers. Do it in but, response
1: to yes. other clues, other yeah. things going on around them.
0: There are some trees that do it in the summertime. There are mm-hmm. some trees that uh, even do it in in March. Mm-hmm. But we're looking for California native trees that are deciduous. A clue available at FarmerFred.com dot com and the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. I think I even posted a picture of one. So they have to be California natives. And they have to be deciduous. Now, last week's garden grappler, while you were in New York, Debbie, mm-hmm. last week's garden grappler was we were talking uh, Christmas trees. Uh huh. And so, natives
1: last, that could be used as Christmas trees? Oh,
0: conifers, native California conifers. Right. So, so we're doing the other side of so it. So now we're doing leaves at fall. Okay. De- deciduous California native tree.
1: That, that's not as hard as I thought. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. And not necessarily with good fall color. Okay. Just deciduous because heavens knows there are those native trees that. Uh, Basically, leaves turn brown and fall. Right. Yeah. So, and I'll even take tall shrubs for that. That could be true. Because in some situations, they have been turned into standards Mm -hmm. by judicious pruning.
1: Okay. So, tall shrubs that can be pruned to a tree?
0: Yeah. Or or trees. Name a deciduous California native tree. 576-1578 in the 916. Or... 866 331 8255. Again, the numbers 916 576 1578 or 866 331 8255 are the numbers to call in on the Garden Grappler. First five callers get a prize. Bonus prize for caller five, because as you know, in the Garden Grappler, you cannot repeat mm-hmm. an earlier answer.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: uh, you should be able to get this. I think, I think so too. Yeah. I mean, oh, by the way, I, I forgot to mention be specific. Do not just say uh, oak. You have to name that variety of oak that would be a California native, if indeed you said oak. Okay. So it has to be, you have to name what kind of oak tree it is. But oak is just one of many deciduous California native tree types, if you will. So be specific.
1: Specific to
0: one. Yeah. Because... Yeah, I don't want to give away any more clues. Right. All right. Oh, Albert's gonna get busy right now. All right. Five seven six one five seven eight eight six six three three one eight two five five. So while they're ruminating on that, let's um talk about something that we won't accidentally give away any answers. All right. Uh let's talk about chores for the fall. Things to do this time of year okay. as we transition from fall into winter. And a lot of us get kind of lazy this time of year as far as yard work because it's too cold, it's too wet, and you just let things happen. But what happens when you just let plants go?
1: Well, you get insect and disease problems often. Things can also break. Um, So number one that comes to mind when you bring up things for fall is sanitation. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't remember if it was this um, show or the last one where we talked about fruit trees in particular – cleaning up under fruit trees, um, if you didn't get everything harvested uh, and there were, some fell to the ground, you want to get rid of those. Uh, if there are leaves and twigs on the ground, get rid of those. If it is a fruit-bearing tree, look into the canopy, that's where the leaves are, and look for fruit that have shriveled up. Those are called mummies. Mummies are fruit that didn't form completely for some reason, uh, probably due to a disease and so that means that disease is still in that mummy. And when conditions are right, it will spread to the other parts of the tree. Take them out. Throw them away. Um, and once you've done the cleanup, gotten all the leaves uh, that have fallen off the tree, all the twigs that have fallen off the tree, all the fruit that fell off the tree, all the mummies in the tree uh, removed, then you want to remove the weeds under and uh, near the plant and then bring in a new layer of mulch, which will uh berry, in particular, it buries uh, fungal spores. Uh, fungus is a disease that the plants can get or the fruit can get. Uh, and it's spread by spores. Spores um, can live through the winter. And then uh, some, they, they move in different ways, but some can be sp- uh, splashed up into the tree with winter rains. And so you want to get as much of that out of the uh, way uh, buried so that when the water comes, the, the spores can't get back into the tree. You have uh, any cover crops going? I have not done cover crops. Uh, my vegetable garden. This is another. Last year, I had water problems in my uh, on my property. We had so much rain, and we got it very quickly mm-hmm. when we got it, and it was coming up inside my house, and so I have to correct that. And uh, so you planted an indoor garden. <laughs> I dug a big hole in the backyard. <laughs> About three feet deep, three feet wide, ten feet long, and re- redirected the uh water from the roof uh into that garden, into that hole rather, but that's all in my vegetable garden. Mm-hmm. So the hole's open still. We're trying to figure out what to fill it with, uh so we can close the hole. So there's piles of soil on my um on my vegetable garden. So vermiculite. <laughs> fill the hole with vermiculite. You probably have flowing vermiculite yes, you at would. some point. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, the whole idea of filling the hole—well, for safety reasons, for one thing—and but you you don't want that hole to fall in on itself. You don't want dirt to fill in. To so it
1: could be lined in landscape fabric. Yeah, and right now it's got a lot of water in it, so we didn't get that part done. Um, But if we're going to close it, we need some structure in the hole in order to. Be able to walk on that area. You know, it it disappears then. You don't know it's there, and you don't want somebody walking over the top and falling in like one of those traps in a bad movie. And Lassie will not come to rescue you. Right. I don't don't have a Lassie. My cats couldn't drag me out of that hole. So, um... I just thought of an option for you. What's that? A
0: large PVC pipe. I mean, drain pipe size PVC pipe. Or you can get them in one foot, two foot, three foot diameter. That's a good point. And... You can buy these caps that look like manhole covers, except they're heavy-duty plastic. Mm-hmm. And we had one in Herald that covered the 18-inch entry to our um, septic system, to our, um, mm-hmm. dr- well, memory goes, to the leech lines. Mm-hmm. And you could walk on. The- I had to actually set a big pot on it with mm-hmm. a frame around it. So that's one way to get around that. Mm-hmm. So
1: I hadn't thought of a big PVC pipe, but that's true they do make them. Yeah. For sewer type applications. Yeah. 40 foot wide ones going in the delta possibly. You could use one of those. Wow. They're not going to use them. I f- I found some <laughs> commercial things that they would do, but you have to have an engineer drawing. Yeah, you know, I'm right, not going to yeah. end up with that.
0: I don't know. I I like the idea of just buying a 3 foot long piece of 24 inch or 36 inch diameter PVC pipe, sticking that in and putting a cap on it.
1: Putting a cap on the um, and put some holes in the, um, well, or just put a permeable cap, uh, landscape fabric or on the ends. Cut holes in the plastic top. Or cut holes in the plastic, right, so the water can drain out.
0: Yeah, okay, drain in, wouldn't it? Well,
1: you have to get it in, but then you have to get it out somehow. You don't want to just. Oh yeah, because it's
0: sitting in a pipe, and the only way way for that water to go would be down, right? And it's not all going to go down.
1: So you could put holes in the bottom. Could, yeah, that'd be a lot of holes to drill. Hmm. Or cover the ends with some the end with some sort of netting. That's not a lot of uh, exit space considering yeah. how big the pipe is. That's something to think on. Yeah, or wrapping that PVC
0: pipe, maybe get perforated PVC pipe, and wrapping the outside with a landscape fabric and, yes. and sinking that in.
1: When you look commercially, they do stuff like that, yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right, well, we're brainstorming here yeah. while well, people come up with answers to the Garden Grappler. Hey, Albert,
1: let's do a break,
0: and when we do the break, then we'll uh, get to these five people who have answers to the... Uh, garden grappler question today which is name a deciduous california native tree so your answers coming up on get growing on talk 650 kste
4: you're listening to get growing with farmer fred talk 650 kste here again fred hoffman along
0: with debbie flower and we are tackling your answers in the garden grappler you are naming a California native tree that happens to be deciduous. If you're right, you get a prize. If you're Caller 5 and you're right, you get a prize. Of course, Caller 5 has it toughest of all because, uh, as you know, you can't repeat an earlier answer. But I have a funny feeling um, I don't know if people are going to get this or not right away. Denise in Paradise, be our guest. You're up first. Uh, What is your idea of a deciduous California native tree?
5: Okay, good morning, Farmer Fred. Good morning. Um, I have outside my bedroom window a beautiful Chinese pistache. Mm -hmm. That's nice. And it, yeah, it it was like illuminated. Yes,
1: they're beautiful in fall.
5: Yeah, and in two days, bingo, it's no leaves.
0: (laughs) Okay, all right. So So it's deciduous. It was a nice show while it happened. Yeah.
5: Yes, it was
0: beautiful. Now, only if it was a California native. It's not. Right, Denise. I guess we lost her. She left. All right. Oh, okay. All the phones went out. Huh? Or we'll keep moving here then. <laughs> well, Denise was wrong. All the phones went out. All right. Fine. All right. Let's try caller number two you're right the phones don't work oh no alright for whatever reason the phones just immediately went out so this is what we're going to do mm-hmm. we don't know how long the phones are going to be out now Albert you've already written down the information as far as the addresses and all that of the four people you have lined up here right alright so we will be sending Carrie and Woodland and Donna and Carmichael and Carol in Sacramento and Jeff in Vacaville a prize all right. So we'll take that, because we don't know when the phones are going to start working again. And what were their answers? Actually, they're pretty good answers. Carrie and Woodland, and thank you, Albert, for writing down the answers that they said. Uh, Carrie and Woodland said Buckeye.
1: Oh, yeah. California and that's Buckeye. one of those that doesn't lose its leaves in fall. It loses them in the summertime. Yes. it. I don't know why people
0: would plant a Buckeye. Oh, now the phones are working again. Oh, good. But we lost all the callers. Okay. Oh. <laughs> all right. All right. But anyway. We'll give them the, We'll call the contest off. And Carrie and Woodland for saying Buckeye, good answer. Donna and Carmichael said Redbud, and there is a Western. There Redbud, is Western Redbud, yeah,
1: native to California. Carol in Sacramento said Modesto Ash, and that's when we had to have a little discussion about yeah. very interesting choice. That's an ash, uh, and there are native ashes to California. The Modesto, in particular, was a a A single tree that was found uh in the town of Modesto to have some better characteristics mm-hmm. now it's not recommended that you plant one but uh it is it is native uh the ash and it had yellow fall color it has yellow fall yeah. color yeah not is, that it, is 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 native to uh Southern California and other parts of the u s and the Modesto ash in particular was found in Modesto, so we're going to accept that.
0: Yeah, or developed in Modesto. I'm not sure. I think it just arose. Okay. Is what how I've read it. Oh, okay. So it wasn't a cross between something and something. Well, if it was, it was a natural. It was. It was. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't done on purpose. All right. Yes, it's uh, according to one of my favorite sources, which is the. Uh, uh, select Tree Site at Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. They talk about the uh, Fraxinus being native from Southern California, east to Texas, and in Mexico from Northern Baja, east to Nuevo León. So southwestern okay. United States and Southern yeah. California, that's yeah. California. Uh, so And uh, Jeff and Vacaville said Valley Oak. Yeah. And that certainly Absolutely. is native to our area right Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Yeah. So I tell you, because we didn't get a chance with Denise, maybe Denise had a second answer but okay. we'll, we'll never find out she gets a prize too. All right. All right. And uh caller 5 in this case, let me look at the times here. Uh who is the shortest time? That would be Carol, Carol in Sacramento gets the bonus prize and we're going to be sending Carol a uh, Sacramento County Master Gardener Gardening Guide and Calendar. Oh, all right. All That's right. a valuable prize. There you go, people. Sorry you didn't get to be on the radio. Uh, and maybe, I, I, it it's still the, the are phones, they working no, the phone, the, the the deadly little spinning ball oh, of, of, of going computers going in the 21st around around. century yeah. is just going round and round. So this, oh well. It happens. It happens, yeah. Yeah. All right. That's what happens. Now, in the old days, we just have a cradle phone here and it'd ring and you pick it up and say, hello. Oh, <laughs> now everything's routed
1: through a computer. Don Shore and I did that once in a parking lot uh for this show well, no, well the, other show. For, for, for the, the other BFK show g for the Garden yes. show yeah yeah i Passed remember the, the phone day. back and forth yeah because <laughs> something wasn't working yeah so I, even in those days it didn't always work i somehow recall that and i
0: think wasn't it like um it was at an a, amador flower farm no it was a
1: chipper it was over oh at the troy built store
0: yes the troy yeah, built store. yeah yeah i remember yes, that yes and uh we were I, talking about bul- bulbs yeah i remember that I had to do the exact same thing uh, at Amador Flower Farm mm-hmm. during a remote once. And uh, that's why we don't do remotes anymore. <laughs> it's just like it's technically challenging. It's, yeah, stuff to, stuff, hap- stuff happens. All right. So anyway, congratulations to all five of you. Very yeah. smart. And I, I appreciate your short, succinct answers, <laughs> too, in this. Sorry you don't get follow-up questions which is always a fun part of that. So yeah, anyway. It is. I so agree. So l- let's talk a little bit about uh, some other California native deciduous trees because a lot of times when you p- think of California native trees, you say, oh, redwoods and, and right. other conifers like that. But there's plenty out there that uh, have, uh, shall we say, some good fall color but may not necessarily be the best tree for the yard. And uh, one of those is uh, that we sort of implied but didn't mention was uh, the populus uh, tremuloides, the quaking aspen, aspen, yes, which is what the picture is uh, at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page oh, of of quaking okay. aspen, and that has beautiful yellow color. the uh, no, The other populus that you'd see growing along rivers is a big one, a mm-hmm. cottonwood, mm-hmm. and the cottonwood is the one that releases a white the, cotton, yeah, so to speak, yeah. Although you can scare people and say it's spider webs. <laughs> From well, people spiders. think it's
1: pollen, and it's not pollen. That's actually the seed. Uh, there's something else going on at that time that is causing allergies. Yeah. yeah. and um, But the cottonwood is a way too big a tree for... for, the, for and any. weak-wooded, and yeah. if you cut it down because you don't like it, because it is too big and it's weak-wooded, then it sprouts from its roots, and you have a whole forest of them. It's a very not-well-behaved tree. Right. I didn't realize that the uh, hackberry
0: was a native tree.
1: There is a native hackberry. The one that we use commonly is not. uh,
0: You're right. Yeah. The native one is the reticulata. Right. reticulata. And the ones most commonly planted here are occidentalis. Or or, sinensis. Or sinensis. Right. And
1: they're not from here, but reticulata is from here. And it doesn't, I think it doesn't get quite as big as the. Others, it isn't uh, quite as good a shade tree as as the ones that we typically use.
0: Yeah. I thought somebody might say walnut tree because the Northern California walnut is a native of Juglands. That's native uh, to our area here.
1: Yeah, and commonly planted as the rootstock for edibles uh, Yeah, exactly. because it does well here.
0: Yeah. A very good choice uh, in that regard. And uh, let's see. What other... Uh, is that it for... Uh, for deciduous? Yeah, for deciduous trees. Well, you didn't get into the oaks. Oh, yeah, it was all the oaks, so the, the Quercus things. I guess I could go to page two or keep scrolling.
1: And and mesquites. Oh, yeah. Which is something the, the I've Madrones ventured or, into. Madr- no, Madrones are no. evergreen. That's right. But mesquites, uh, which are armed, which is why a lot of people don't have them. Uh, but they're very drought tolerant. What is the botanical on mesquites? Prosopis. Prosopis, okay. There is a, a, a mesquite that is not does not have uh, thorns, and that is Chilean mesquite. So it's not native to California. Um, and I purchased one at a local nursery this uh, past growing season, and I'm working on it. Um, they need a little staking to be upright. They tend to be a bushy plant, but what I so you might say, well, why why are you growing this tree? The few I have been under stood under in the middle of a the summer, the, the the coolness they provide. I think it's because of all their little leaflets. They provide a dappled shade, so it's not you're not in dark shade, and and it's just very cool on a hot day. Um, not neat hot, but cool temperature, lower temperature under that tree, um, and they have edible pods. I don't know if the Chilean one has edible pods, but the native ones have edible pods.
0: Hmm, okay.
1: Hey, the phones are working again. Hot dog. All right. So we can answer some questions before
0: All it's right. time for you to leave. Sure. Uh, I think, I is this the Jeff and Carmichael that was just the successful caller for?
2: Well, it's Mulberry Jeff and in Vacaville, but uh,
0: oh, Vacaville. <laughs> I <laughs> guess okay. I could move. No, no, don't move.
2: <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm firmly ensconced out here and uh, loving my mulberry trees.
1: Okay. Which are turning a beautiful yellow?
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm Unfortunately for me, I'm colorblind so that doesn't do me oh. a lot of good. Uh, my wife marvels ooze and ahs at all the change in color and then, well, that's good but I just have to enjoy the jam that she makes there you go Oh, they're, yeah, uh, they're fruiting oh very oh, yeah, cool yeah, yeah. every mul- I've got a I think at least six uh, only two are sufficiently old that they're fruiting mm-hmm. but uh, they're wonderful they're son of a gun to pick but other than that yes great. that's
1: how do you do that?
2: I, I pick them by hand. I wow. tried one year putting a big plastic tarp out mm-hmm. and shaking it, mm-hmm. but you get so much debris mm-hmm. and it seems like I got a lot of weed remnants cuz they're they're not around on the lawn or something like that. They're out, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. That's I did it I did mine I at my last house I had a fruiting mulberry and I did mine by shaking and I agree with the debris and it's not it's not like an apple where you can then run the fruit under some water and wash off the debris. Um oh, you have to hand pick. You have to hand pick yeah. and that's uh, probably more work than actually picking the fruit in the first place.
2: Well, you have to hand pick, uh, but the problem is, you know, it's two for me and one for the for right. the bucket. So it ends up uh, <laughs> yeah. actually I That's enjoy why you them. need more than 6. So, so That's right. I I just enjoy the heck out of them. They're just such a wonderful fruit and it it pains me to see all these fruitless mulberries in towns. Right. When the the fruiting mulberry is such a wonderful treat. But I digress.
0: Yes. And I we're running out of time. In, okay. Uh, yes. A
2: nursery, not a big box store. I've refused to try those people anymore. I've had such bad luck. I went to a nursery and asked about a peach leaf curl resistant peach tree mm. that also provides good fruit. And the fellow at the mm. nursery, it's a local nursery here in Vacaville. Did he laugh at you? Well, yeah. He said, yeah. well, okay. What do you want? No leaf curl or good fruit? Yeah. I
1: disagree. I have one, but I'm trying to remember what it is. It's, it's Will not Cali- it's not California curl
0: free, is it? No. no. Is it's it it's a Dave Wilson product? That would be Frost or Muir? Or yeah, Frost.
1: I think it's Frost. Frost. I was going to say Frost is in the name. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I, I got, I keep it small. It's only a couple of years old. Um, I got a lot of fruit. I, so much that I froze a bunch of it. And so we're eating it out of the freezer and my husband is raving about it and I like it too. It's, um, it's, I, I, I'm i very happy with that tree. So there you it's go. It's only
2: two years old? Mm, it it oh, might I be. Thought, th- I thought I, I, mis- I misheard you. I thought you said it was only two years old.
1: It's, a, it's only been in the ground, that's what I'm trying to remember. It's, it's probably a little more than two, but it's three at the most.
2: Very young tree.
1: Very young tree and bearing, which I shouldn't have let it do. I shouldn't have let it have a heavy load because uh, that can suck the life out of the tree. However, I am keeping it very short, and that um, balances out. You don't yeah. need to. Yeah. So if
0: if if you and Debbie's taste buds coincide, that's then, right. Then, then try the
4: frost. <laughs> well, I
2: mean, you know, good peach is a good peach. So I'm quite sure they would coincide. Okay. Uh, a, a word back about the um, deciduous uh, redbud was one of, was going to be one of my answers that was already taken, but we have two redbuds that we've uh, encouraged to be trees. Right. And they're absolutely trees. The other thing that we encourage to be a tree is a, a toyon.
1: Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Uh huh! Yeah. Very yeah. nice. Yeah.
2: yeah, they they make good trees. They don't get super tall, but uh, I think the red buds may be fifteen, sixteen feet tall.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow! Mm-hmm. Hey Jeff, that's beautiful in spring. We, we have to run here. Either Albert wants to play commercials really bad or he has to go to the bathroom. I'm not yeah. sure which. Or either one of those
2: things more important than talking to me, Fred? <laughs> commercials. Thank you, Fred, for your show. Commercial.
0: Oh, you're welcome, Jeff. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, Debbie, can you stick around a few minutes? Sure. Because yeah. I, I feel bad that the phones weren't working. Now they're working. People have questions. No problem. We will get those questions answered when we come back to get growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Sells Fords.
4: Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Along with
0: Debbie Flower, Mm -hmm. horticultural consultant. She's consulting right now here on Get Growing. Yeah. And uh, I have made her stick around so we can answer some more of your questions. And then in a few minutes, we'll hear from Warren Roberts out at the UC Davis Arboretum. And uh, first up here on the old telephones is Marie in Sacramento. Hi, Marie.
5: Hello, Marie. Debbie, happy Thanksgiving. Happy
0: Thanksgiving to you, too. Thank you. By the way, uh, we, I will be here next week because there are no holidays in radio. I know. Okay.
5: <laughs> okay. All right. I'll, cool. I'll, I'll listen to you.
0: Thanks, Marie.
5: Um, my question is about tulips. I usually plant them in large pots, and this year I bought them kind of late, and I only had them home for a week, and I realized I, didn't, I hadn't put them in the refrigerator, and so I asked the nursery if that was necessary, and they said no. And then I read Debbie Arrington yesterday, and she's saying that some do need to be in the refrigerator for six weeks. Right. I wanted to see what you think I should do.
1: I lean more toward the they need to be refrigerated. Um, There are just a few species. It depends which ones you have. So I assume you still have the tags or know their identity. I do. Okay. If there are species, there are a few, what we call species tulips. They don't have a name like, I don't know, frosty peach or something. We were just talking about that peach. Um, (laughs) They don't have a name like that. Uh, And they are, um, I have a few, they tend to be very small uh, and they do not need to be refrigerated. But almost, but the majority of the tulips that we plant for their beautiful color do have to be refrigerated for six weeks before uh, to get, it's called to be vernalized. That's the technical word. And it is, um, a, a bulb is a complete plant. If you were to cut one open, like if you cut open an onion, you see all the layers of, of leaves uh, that are storing food. That's the part of the onion we, leave, we eat. Uh, and a tulip, don't eat your tulips. Don't, don't, don't. But they are, have the same structure. But when they're ready to bloom, there will be a structure inside that is a fully formed flower on a stem. And all it has to do is expand and open. Uh, and if the tulip has not received enough chill, that will that that central structure with the flower on it will never form. So tulips yeah, these,
0: are, are like aphids, and they're born pregnant. Oh no, they yeah. have to be vernalized. Oh, they have to be vernalized. That's right. They
1: have to be, okay. get the cold. All right.
5: Well, yeah. I planted these. I mean, does it the fact that they're in a pot make any difference than rather in the ground? No,
1: actually, commercially, no. Uh, no commercially they they one of my favorite gifts for people who have everything is uh you know a pot of pre-planted and they will be pre-chilled bulbs and then uh when they're received they will grow out of the pot and have their flowers inside the house and commercially they take the they plant them up they water them uh let them drain and then put them in a chilling room typically a chill room at a commercial place will uh, have lots of humidity unlike your Our refrigerators, our refrigerators are very dry. There will be lots of humidity in the chill room and uh, leave them there for six weeks and then ship them and they reliably uh, bloom. So being in the pot, you can still chill it in the pot. Being in the pot will provide maybe a hair more cold to the bulbs than if they were in the ground, but not enough to make uh, the difference that they will bloom. How do you maintain a higher humidity if you have it in the refrigerator? You would have to bag it. Bag it? Okay. In plastic, yeah. Or
5: so should I take these out and put them in the refrigerator?
1: You can either do that or you can put the whole pot in the refrigerator uh, in, in some plastic.
5: These are big pots.
1: Okay, um, so you're going to have to take them out. Um, did you use uh, media that you bought in a bag?
5: Yes, and I fed them with bulb food. You that's know, okay. That's, that's, not go- that's not
1: That's not going to be an issue. Brush off as much of the media as you can. Since it's it's out of a bag, it it should not have any uh, diseases in it that will eat the bulb itself. Um, okay. And ideally, you you want to store them in a cloth bag or a. You don't want to put them in plastic; they'll get wet and and they'll rot, slimy. Unless the plastic has holes in it, so maybe a a vegetable bag. A vegetable yeah. bag is really yeah. what you want. It yeah. could be a muslin bag or sometimes there are perforated bags you can you get at the store. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the six weeks, yeah.
5: And what about, I also ha- I bought some paper whites for indoors.
1: Those you don't have to chill. Oh, good. Daffodils. They're,
5: already, they're starting to come up.
1: Right. They're a narcissist. All, all daffodils are narcissists. All narcissists are also narcissists. And they <laughs> don't need chilling. They're not a bulb, technically. They're a... Um, corm, tuber, rhizome? No, uh, I have to check. I may have misspoke there. Is there another one? So a
5: vegetable bag bag would work then? Yes. For the tulips?
1: For the tulips, yes.
5: Okay. For six weeks and then plant them in December.
1: Right. But the the paper whites, you can plant anytime, indoors, outdoors, yes. Outdoors, they won't come up as fast because it's colder, but in the house, yeah, they'll grow and bloom and be wonderfully fragrant. Marie, we have to run here.
5: Thank
0: you oh, very much. Good, good luck. Enjoy your tulips. Yeah, they're going to be gorgeous. Yeah, all right. Tina and Carmichael, welcome to Get Growing.
5: Hi, thanks, Fred. Sure. I was um, I just moved into a new house this spring, and in the front, Northern Exposure, mm-hmm. there are Virginia, mm-hmm. and they've just sat there doing nothing Yeah. Um, since I lived here. So I, d- I don't know anything about them. Can you enlighten me?
0: They'll spread if they're <laughs>
1: in shade. Yeah. They're like a pretty weed. And they like some oh, okay. moisture, yeah. Um, and they to bloom, they need some space. They may so the clump may have gotten too crowded.
5: No, they're all spaced out. I don't know who planted them or when. Okay. Or, yeah. probably the
1: realtor. That's a possibility. <laughs> yeah,
5: maybe, that, maybe. Yeah,
1: um, they're a rhizome, um, and sometimes, and I would have to check this. Um, okay, so the things that I think would prevent them from blooming would be not enough light. They they are they do prefer shade, but I don't know. Uh, you know, if, if there's enough light there, is there an overhead tree? Is there a porch roof? Something like that.
5: Yeah, uh, there's a little overhang, but it, it gets plenty. Okay. I think it has enough say to grow a begonia.
1: Okay. That that's perfect then. I think you'll mm-hmm. be fine just letting them do their own thing. They maybe have yeah. just been planted. If they're spaced out, they probably yeah. were just planted and they 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 just need time to get yeah. established and then to bloom.
5: And when is their normal blooming time? Mm, late spring, winter, like late winter, early, early spring. spring okay. Yes. Oh, so there's hope. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll give you okay. yeah. You haven't <laughs> been
0: there yet for a year. So <laughs> yes, haven't been there. Yeah. Right? All yeah. right. Hey, Tina, we got to run here. Thanks for calling. Thanks. All Thanks. Right. Bye-bye. And Debbie Flower, thank you for dropping by. My pleasure. We look forward to promoting your new book. <laughs> when I write it someday. <laughs> when I write it someday, yes. Well, <laughs> oh, come on back sometime, would you? I, I will do that, All yes. right, good. Always yes. glad to have you here. Have,
1: have a good Thanksgiving. Fred. You too.
0: I will. And we're going to hear from Warren Roberts out at the UC Davis Arboretum when we come back to get growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Every month we like to talk with Warren Roberts out at the UC Davis Arboretum, but of course he has so many wonderful plants to talk about each month, we can never fit them into one show. If you were listening earlier this morning to the KFPK Garden Show, you heard Warren talk about some beautiful plants with fall color, like the Chinese Bald Cypress, the Madrone, or the Formosan Flame Tree. But as they say in the TV commercials, but wait, there's more, and that's why we bring Warren over to KSTE to finish off his list. And Warren, that formosan flame tree, I, 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 are they paying you to talk about it so much?
6: <laughs> no, <laughs> um, it's, a, it's my well, it's my as I tell people, it's my favorite shade tree for a whole bunch of reasons, and right now is the main reason as it's covered with the beautiful red pods that uh, are just, just splendid. I mean, you see one. Close up or a distance, it takes your breath away, really. And it's uh, native to kind of mid-elevation Taiwan, up, up on the uh, Alishan. And in Taiwan, it's when it uh, is uh, colorful, uh, they have uh, festivals celebrating it. Um, and it's a, it's a good shade tree. Uh, it grows well in this area. It wouldn't probably be uh, in, up above snow lines because it's a little bit tropical. Subtropical, I guess. And that has one of the advantages is when the first frost comes, the pods are typically not mature, and they fall off, cover the ground with red, but the, that you don't have to worry about the ball bearing like seeds that the other species have. But just a quick, uh, uh, recount of, of fall, uh, leaf color would be the Chinese bald cypress with the strobus tensilis, the crepe myrtle, the Chinese pistache, and the uh, hybrid grapevine called Roger's Red. Those are the relief color right now. And fruit color, uh, the native Madrone, the uh, uh, Citrinus trifoliata, or Ponsiris. I didn't mention that earlier. It's a citrus relative. It's now put in the genus Citrus. And this is the often the dwarfing rootstocks of uh, the dwarf Citrus. And it's not edible, but it has beautiful fruit and also good fall color. And uh, very nice uh, white flowers in the spring.
0: What was it called again?
6: It's called the uh, trifoliate citrus, Poncirus. It used to be called, and now it's called citrus. It's, uh, in other words, it's a relative citrus, and is uh, is used often as rootstock for dwarfing the um, Toyon. Of course, that's about it for the uh, fruit color. But uh, the Leonotus leonurus, which is it's the lion's tail, it's a a uh, small shrub from South Africa still has its rich orange flowers, and that'll continue until frost. Uh, roses, are some many of them, are still spectacular. Uh, roses not only for the flowers, but for the hits. If you have roses that produce the fruit, which is colorful and edible, although not terribly palatable, don't don't prune off, don't deadhead your roses because then you'll miss out on the on the fruit color. Uh, Roselia, this is a, a, a plant from uh, Mexico, which uh, essentially has uh, no leaves or few of them. It has green stems and bright red tubular flowers. The uh, uh, cultivar called St. Elmo's Fire is my favorite. couple of salvias, also Mexican. Salvia Darcei with its red flowers, Darcy Sage, and also Salvia Lucantha. Which is the Mexican bush sage with its velvety purple flowers. And also from Mexico, the Copper Canyon Daisy, Tigitis lemoni. It's a, actually a marigold, but it's a shrub. And pretty hardy here. Uh, often gets damaged in winter, but you cut it back and by the end of summer, by this time of year, it, it is flowering time. It'll be giving you a lot of color. The, uh, we also, another plant from Mexico is the zinnia. And the zinnia, we haven't had frost, but the zinnias are still spectacular. Zinnia elegans, which is big zinnia. And then we've also had earlier zinnia angustifolia, which has smaller flowers, narrow leaves. And there's some really nice selections and hybrids of that group as well. So that brings us to Z, which is the uh, uh the end of the alphabet. Oh. <laughs>
0: Now, there is one that's starting to bloom here. It's the first year I've had it in the ground and it's starting to bloom. So I bet you'll be talking about it next month in December. And I'm really excited about it. And I bought it at the UC Davis plant sale back in March. And it's a, yeah. it's a Nipophia called Christmas Cheer.
6: Yes. Yeah. Ours is starting to bloom. So yeah, it's coming on. And, and, uh, the, uh, uh it's the poker plant and this one has orange flowers. And it blooms, usually is in full bloom in around Christmas.
0: I'm looking forward to it.
6: Yeah, me too. I bet <laughs>
0: that might just be in bloom when you lead the walk with Warren on uh, Wednesday, December 13th.
6: Yes, we should see some because in that area of the Arboretum, we have several plants. And if you plant them in shade, or no, bright shade, that is, you, you get flowers at other times of the year. So in full sun, it blooms in, in winter. And then with a little bit of shade, it blooms in summer. You can have it blooming all year round if you place it in different parts of the garden.
0: Oh, that's good to know because I have one in more sun than the other. That's it? Yeah. Oh, good. I'm looking forward to that. Well, of course, the walk with Warren is uh, on Wednesday, December 13th. They meet at the gazebo at noon. And of course, uh, anytime's a good time to take a walk through the UC Davis Arboretum. Got relatives visiting for the holidays send them to Davis and take that free walk and let them wander among all the trees and shrubs and perennials and everything that goes on there at the UC Davis Arboretum. Plant sales coming up in 2018, of course. And for more information, maps of the Arboretum, you can visit their website, arboretum.ucdavis.edu. Hey, Warren, I think we've pretty well covered it.
6: I think we have, Fred. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you and have a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you and to everybody. Bye-bye. You're listening to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. And I'm glad you are. We'll be back again next week with another thrill-packed edition of Get Growing. No holidays in radio, even though it's Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, Steve Zion will be here. And we're going to be talking about uh, late fall, early winter garden chores uh, if you have an organic garden. And plus, we're going to explore a a lot of... uh, Different issues, too. There's a big debate in organic circles about whether aquaculture or hydroponics can be considered organic. Hmm. Interesting. It's an interesting debate. So we're going to touch on that, too, uh, along with a lot of other things. Speaking of of farm-related materials, I bet at noon, let me ask Albert if it's true. Albert, is it true that there will be the KSTE Farm Hour coming up after the news at 12 o'clock? That is true. Good. All right. And in that case, then I'll tell you all about it. Uh, California's farmers are still assessing the damage from the natural disasters that this state has gone through over the last year. All that winter and spring flooding caused a lot of damage, especially in walnut orchards where they haven't quite figured out whether it's permanent or not. And, of course, the recent wildfires in California's premier wine country. And, yes, there was loss of life and loss of properties and fortunately, most of the damage in the vineyards themselves is recoverable. But we're going to talk a little bit about that, too. Also, if you've ever been to a farmer's market, you know that sometimes uh, there can be discussions between customers and farmers about the produce they grow. And they ask—they tend to ask, customers ask the same questions over and over again. Things like, uh, is this organic? Is it free of GMOs? Is it gluten-free? Things like that. And we, we talk with a farm communications expert about how that line of communication between customers and those who are working at a farmer's market can be improved so that the customer has a better idea of what you do as a farmer for a living. We'll be doing that on this week's KSTE Farm Hour coming up next right after the news. Thank you for listening. I do appreciate your support all these years. Without you, there would be no garden show. And I appreciate your presence here week after week. Stay tuned for the Farm Hour, KSTE Farm Hour, coming up next right here on Talk 650 KSTE, KSTE KSTE.com, as well as KSTE on the iHeartRadio app.